episode 273 for January 2014. And that opening song is called Spider-Man, of course, and it's sung by the human beings. And evidently it was recorded back in 1967, and it's a rare find on the opening of this episode. All right, time for message board questions. We're starting off with uh, Steve Rogers from New York. Uh, he has one for JR. Have you ever turned down a month that Brad has suggested to you on uh, Spider History and called an Audible? Help me, JR. An Audible is a sports reference, right? Well, I mean, don't they explain it in the post right next to you, right next to this question? No, we've, we've deleted that. But uh, oh, yeah. for, for the ones that are okay, listening, I've, I've literally to... never, ever, ever in my life watched football. But you guys really have never heard the term called an Audible. This is new to you. Exactly, it's new to moi. That's that is that is shocking. That's that's in the nomenclature outside of sports at this point. Like a pause. So, what is an audible? Help me. Uh, when you call an audible, means you just uh, basically make a last minute decision yourself. Like the uh, a player out in the field is going to go against what the plan was. Okay, Jr. Yes or no? <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow, I was about to say with uh, such complicated uh, setup, I just have to say uh, no. <laughs> all right, next question. <laughs> no, I give, I give GR about, uh, what, four, three or four every month yeah. to choose from, and he picks the one he likes. Yeah. So like. there's, there's, a... there's, not much, there's not much to it. I basically, thanks to our friends over at, uh, or Eric, <laughs> it's not friends, it's singular, Eric, our friend over at uh, SamRuby.com for helping us do Spider History every month because he breaks it down for us. Uh, Josh, another solid Jeopardy, but one of these years, the table should be turned, and you should be a contestant. Any good questions you've thought about using over the years, and then thought, nah, that's too easy or obscure, whatever? Um, first off, um, we, we've talked about the whole turning the tables thing a few times, yep. so uh, there's there's something in the works for that. It's, it's in pre-production, I guess you can say, so uh, stay tuned sometime in 2014. Because the fans demanded it. Um, <laughs> when I write out these questions, I'm always thinking, like, oh, this is too, I can't use this one, it's too easy, and it turns out to be a hard one. And everyone has, like, a different skill level in my head. So, like, what, for example, if Kevin says I want to do TV and film or something, I look at the TV and film questions I have left, and I think which one is best suited for Kevin, and that, like, it's either, is this one too easy for Kevin, too hard, or something, so... Um, I'm using that as an example, and like, <laughs> infamously, the first year when Stella got the thought balloon question, um, <laughs> like the other two choices for questions, which I don't remember what they are now, I literally looked at all those questions and said, "Well, this is the one that she has the biggest shot of getting." Um, so I'm not always I'm not always correct in my judgment with those. <laughs> if that answers your question at all, do you ever try to get me uh, any any of them aimed at me that I screw up? Like I know, I you felt, know, I always, I know, I felt really, really sorry for you last, like the, this year. Um, oh yeah, me too. So, so <laughs> I, I, I remember, I remember really wanting you to get some right. So I was giving you some ones that I thought you might get, but it was also what, what did I miss? What did I miss? It, I know it does. <laughs> what did you think I'd get and I missed? I, I'd have to go back and look specifically now. It's it, it, there, there's. Not when I say so many questions, we do less and less each year because we're we're figuring out a stamina and a format. Like the first year, like we were, it was like eighty or a hundred questions, and it everyone loses their momentum afterwards. And and we ideally we want that segment to be an hour, so it's an episode of itself. Right. In years past, we've done two hours or whatever, and I think it just loses something if you have to uh, listen to another episode to find out who the damn winner is. I just think it we, you've perfected it to an hour-ish, and I, I like it that way. I, I, think we've, I think we've done it to five rounds, because we 
Yeah, we were making it go longer. And each year, I know I write less and less questions, and um, I, I think we've gotten it to a place that I like it. And now that we've gotten it to a place that I like it, we're going to switch the format around. <laughs> <laughs> because the fans want to see you fight JR in a cage match. Uh, and I, I want to see that, too. The fans want to see, you know, um, people ask me the questions. and <laughs> um, Yeah, exactly. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a bunch of questions on the Daniel Way Tsunami Venom series, because I've admitted that I've read that. <laughs> um, I that's know, a whole I, category. I know Tsunami. I'm getting a Thought Balloon question. Uh, that's inevitable. Hell yeah. So. Uh, JR, do you want to you do that fight? <laughs> I fear Bertone. You fear that fight. I fear, fear Bertone. No, it's going to be a good one. Uh, Kevin, out of the stars of the uh, titles canceled, whom do you expect to be back in their own series, either ongoing or many of the most? Well, I assume we're talking about Venom, Scarlet Spider, and Morbius here, and I mean the obvious loser yeah. of the three is Morbius. I don't think I don't think that guy's getting back in publication for another decade now. Um, yeah. Screwed the pooch on that one. Yeah, Venom and Scarlet Spider are both already in uh, or, or in announced new team books, so they're going to continue to be published. Um, I, as, which one's going to get their own solo series? I don't think either of them's going to get a solo series again soon, because they just got ones canceled. But I think the most likely, I guess, would have to be Venom. I don't see a new Scarlet Spider series happening, maybe ever. Yeah. Um, let's see. To everyone, the best and the worst Spider-Man or Marvel-related gifts. I was at a shop with a friend once in, the, in like our now desiccated mall, and there was like these, like you know, the, the bootleg toys area. And on, uh, there's a, there's a, uh, a package that said Super Batman, and inside it was a toy of Spider-Man, but he was turned around. It was like, so he was like basically like, like his ass was facing the, the, the children. <laughs> <laughs> so that sucked. <laughs> okay. Those books like Spider-Man really are awful. I, I've seen a few of those. From like India or something? There's, there was a YouTube clip that I wanted... Uh, to buy this. You remember the Itsy Bitsy Spider where he hit his foot and he sings the song? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I love that. And anyway, I saw a video that there's a Spanish version of that. La Itsy, itsy Bitsy Aranya, <laughs> Piqueño, Spider. I'm <laughs> Anybody that just tried to decipher that. Anyway, I think it's Spanish speaking Itsy Bitsy Spider. Uh, last K13 uh, from Atlanta. Hey, gang, I'm starting to get into omnibuses, and I was wondering which author's collections would you recommend? Roger Stern, who's been posting on this message board. Indeed. Pr promoting his uh, omnibus. You don't get much better Spider-Man than that. Absolutely. I've got it pre-ordered. You've already pre-ordered it, Kev? Yep. Um, I'm oh. just hoping I'll be able to afford it when that pre-order comes through. <laughs> it's uh, cover 120 bucks, I think. It's 50% uh, off on many sites, so it's about a $60 book. Will that drop in time for Christmas? No, fifty percent even coming out until like April. Uh, Not the Untold Tales omnibus because it is ridiculously overpriced. That's true. Yeah, just about, that's the problem yeah. with omnibuses is they they go out of yeah. print really quickly and then the prices go like five times. But you could buy the singles for twenty five bucks. I bet you those books are a buck a piece somewhere. That's what they, they were, they were ninety nine cent cover priced when they came out. Right. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that would they be. They sure very appreciate it apparently. <laughs> But I think a thousand pages of Roger Stern Spider-Man well worth the money. Uh, and they've I also got. I know, I've noticed on Amazon um, the Omnibus Editions first two Omnibus volumes of Amazing Spider-Man by uh, the first one is, is Stan and Steve, second one is uh, Stan and Ramita uh, are both still at reasonable prices. They're both still in print, so those are obviously worth looking at. What's the reasonable price? How much? Like sixty-two bucks. Yeah, uh, they're they're both cover price one hundred dollars, but you know Amazon has good discounts. I'm a big fan of uh, the Todd McFarlane, David Michelinie, and they've put that out in omnibuses, like three hundred to three. Yeah, they have, haven't they? I remember that. Yeah, that's a good one. So, all right, uh, let's see. Artem. Thank you for your first question. I think that was he's a fairly new poster, so welcome. I appreciate that. Spiderman six posts. That's his name. <laughs> uh, hey, hey, fellas, it's me, the stand-up comedian again. I remember this guy. Uh, my one more day joke is about three minutes long, so typing it out would eat up too much time. But essentially, I explained the deal with the devil uh, originating from Mephisto, tripping in his kitchen and hitting his head on his blue recycling bin, and then proceeds to make the deal with Peter, <laughs> followed by making 
uh, increasingly more ridiculous deals with spider ca- other spider characters, such as offering JJ uh, $5,000 for his ability to grow a mustache and a green goblin and sweet segue for his glider. And anyway, on to the questions to the gang. Who's the best modern age spider villain, meaning any villain created after the year 2000? Hmm. Well, uh, I kind of liked Moreland in the initial story. That's the only one that came to my mind. My my answer, too. Not a lot of them stick out, but Moreland made an impression. Typeface? (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) Wasn't Typeface, like, really, really late 90s, or was that 2000 at that point? Oh, no. Yeah, you're you're right. It was was Paul Jenkins. What what about the Phil, your Hobgoblin? Do we actually like him or not? As a, as a villain, after. he was he was interesting, but yeah, he was created. Uh, I still consider him an '80s. I mean, a hobgoblin. Okay, okay. No, like um, the name hobgoblin. I like I like Screwball as a character, but I've yet to like a Screwball story. But I like her as a as an idea. Sort of like I still like uh, you know the idea of Gabe Stacy for its potential, but there hasn't actually been a good story about him so far. There, I mean, I, I've talked about this with supporting characters, but like all these writers who try and make their new stamps on people, it's very rare when a villain or even a supporting character who was created after the Ramita run sticks around the arc. You know, like the next yeah. one after a writer, you you get a few uh, people who survive, like Venom and Carnage, but and Hobgoblin, but not else. Freak. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's he's a classic character. <laughs> what with the drugs and all. Yeah. I mean, the last I, I, huge villain that was created really was Carnage, and that was twenty years ago. Yeah, and I he agree. Was I mean, there had Venom from a few years before that. So Moreland is our, our our bet all the way around. I'm guessing. I think Moreland and Spider-Man had like one of the all-time greatest Spider-Man fights of all time. Just that that alone, in my opinion, cemented him as yep. up there. But he he's not a recurring villain. He had one great story. It's like. Kind of like Venom, he had one great beginning, and then the rest of the stories. Well, he out. came back. <laughs> in the, he came back in the other, and they never explained how he was back. He ate yeah, his he eye. Oh yeah. Moreland yeah. isn't to me. Moreland is a good for a fight, but he's not much of a character really. Like, what's his personality exactly? Exactly. He likes I the agree. fire things. He, you know, he likes creme brulee and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, J.R., don't you find it odd that the Jackal never blamed Norman Osborn for Gwen's death? That is a pretty common knowledge that he was the one who tossed her off the bridge? Uh, well, for Gwen's death, not really. Uh, because, one, one, psychopaths and sociopaths often have a, a, a habit of deflecting blame uh, where it you know where it really belongs to the object of whatever they're obsessing over. And the Jackal told... Peter Parker, I think, in issue like 149, that he hated him. He hated him because he was young, and he hated him because he was loved by Gwen Stacy. So, you know, what, what, so the Jackal always hated, or Warren, I guess, got to hated Peter Parker. And mm-hmm. when you think about it, the Green Goblin uh, killed Gwen because he was looking for Peter Parker. Uh, you know, because Gwen was in Peter's apartment when the Goblin came by. Uh, and even when Norman, even though Norman threw her off the bridge, uh, you know, I mean, it was Spider-Man who gave us the snap her ground the world. Um, so it's, <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, you know, not it. No, I don't find that uh, unusual at all. What I do find unusual, though, is that the Jackal doesn't seem to be very mad at him for thoroughly screwing up the clone saga. You know, yeah. I mean, that was Warren's master plan and, <laughs> and it and turned out Norman was, you know, actually behind it, manipulating him. I find it more odd The Jackal doesn't seem to be too bent out of shape about that. <laughs> Donovan, do you prefer Spider-Man with or without the web pits? The web pits being what he has, the webbing stretched under his armpits. Oh, is that where they are? Pits? Pits or no pits? Uh, what you know, like? I, I think, I, think uh, I used to be able to, I used to like the 90s era where you just didn't have them, but I've grown to enjoy the web pits when illustrated correctly. And it'd be nice. It'd be nice to see the movies adapt that. So I, I kind of like them, but I'm not. Saying, I don't have a preference, but I do like the web pits. What do you What do you think if I had pits? Those would be Brad pits. Sorry. Anyway, I couldn't hear <laughs> get away from me. Uh, I like pits. Who Who likes pits? Who doesn't I like, like pits? I like big pits, and I can't deny. Yeah, all the other spiders can deny. Just because, just because my primary introduction was through the '90s animated series, they've always looked wrong to me, especially in the early Dicko issues where they are huge. They're down to his ankles. <laughs> Jr. Pits, no pits. 
Next question. Uh, I like this one. Uh, Chris, Chris, no Shut thanks. up. Jared <laughs> just F'd me. Uh, <laughs> JR knows that if he says something about it, it's going to be on, like, CNN's news crawl tomorrow. Like, JR, anti-pits, you know. <laughs> he's going to have to issue an apology. It's going to turn Chris, into JR like says Steve Ditko sucks. And yeah. It's all bad. Chris, pits, no pits. Uh, I, 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 I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're, we're going to start new fraternities on Crawl Space for oh, like in the old days with Delta House and Zeta House, like yeah, Pit House Kev- and Pitless House. Pits or no pits, Kevin? Um, most of the time, I'd say no pits, but uh, some some artist styles lend itself to that pretty well. I enjoy pits. Uh, Spidey Dude, hey, Mr. Spidey Dude from Texas, long-time listener here. <laughs> I've followed you guys since the beginning. This is my first time posting a question. I don't think that's uh, actually true. Yeah, I agree. it's not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Get it wrong, I think Zach, go home. Uh, I'd like to hear the gang's thoughts on the ending of the Spider Solo satellites. In the space of the year, we've seen Morbius, Scarlet, and Venom all canceled, and in the uh, case of two of them, divided or diverted to team books. What do you guys think? It's only a matter of time. Uh, it's, yeah. it's not the end of his question. He also says, will we see a return to the standard spinoff format in the Spider-Man family by the end of 2014, or keep the status quo of the teams? Okay, go ahead. Oh me? I, yeah, go ahead. Um, I think they're still going to satellite. Huh? <laughs> You're Mr. Satellite. Yeah, I think they're still going to try more satellites. Um, I think they they're going to keep milking the title superior as long as they can. Um, and you know, frankly, at this rate, the way that's being successful for them, when Peter comes back, every book's going to have amazing in the title, um, and it's going to make things really awkward for Amazing X Men. But um, yeah, I, I I don't think we're going to see as much characters like Morbius and Scarlet and Venom spinning off. I think we're going to see more things that are maybe a little bit more tied into the main book. Um, And honestly, I don't know how Superior Foes is doing, so I don't know what that is going to tell the company about whether they should do that or not. I uh, would like a spec book back. Not a team-up book. Yeah, and you know, like I was saying in the team-up review, that book really reads like Chris Yost wants to be writing just a straight-up satellite title and is shoehorning yeah. a guest star in because it's called team-up. And That's I'd rather they just give him a satellite title. I agree. Uh, Chris, any predictions for 2014? You've just announced one last episode or two episodes ago about uh, Norman, who Norman yeah, is discussed yeah. as. Any other uh, any other stock market tips or anything like that you got on your uh, crystal ball? Uh, no, no. Um, Norman, Mr. Banks, the Goblin, they're the same guy. That's it. Uh, Don and Josh, how excited are you for the return of the High Evolutionary? Is that awesome in that awesome new Warriors series? Uh, no, absolutely not. Because I, I've never met a, a, a fan of the High Evolutionary. Does anybody like that bastard? I thought no. he was pretty pretty okay in like the Annihilation Conquest book. I just have never liked him. He doesn't. He isn't a good Spider-Man adversary. Yeah, why? Why, why is he anywhere near Peter Parker? He, he's a Silver Surfer adversary, or an uh, Inhumans adversary. I don't know. When we recently did a cl- the Clone Saga Chronicles episode where we covered the Scarlet Spider Unlimited issue, where the High Evolutionary retcons the '80s Clone Saga retcon. And it was, yeah, it, was it was a really horrible book. <laughs> I think Don said at one point that he hated that issue more than one moment in time. I I, I dislike. I, I was so confused in the eighties when that came out. Uh, Brad, we know you got swag for Christmas, baby. I got swag all year. You're out long. Uh, but did you get any Spider-Man related gifts to people this year? Did I give any gifts, uh, Spider-Man? I have not. I, I've bought uh, just a couple Christmas items so far, and they're all Little Mermaid related. <laughs> so, uh, what? <laughs> Ava doesn't listen to the show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I, no, I haven't bought anything Spider-Man yet. I bought a Batman gift for myself. That's Ooh. different. I bought uh, that. Well, that's my, one of my recommendations: uh, Batman Arkham Origins. I bought that and enjoyed it. Uh, Kevin, I know you used to be a DC reader, and I, you read any? You get buy any DC? Kev? I'm down to uh, Nightwing and Justice League, and I'm on the fence about Justice League. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, he's wondering if, uh, with the mass exodus of creative talent leaving there, that there might be one creator you'd like to see tackle Spider-Man. Uh, not Matt Kent. Oh, God. <laughs> um, J. Michael Straczynski. Joking. 
he's not really a DC writer anymore. I don't know. There, I'm not. I, I read several of the titles, but I can't really name anybody that I was reading and saying, "Man, this person's great." That I'd like to see somewhere else. Kyle Higgins has been doing a good job with Nightwing, and it's kind of got that uh, that vibe of like the era of when Spider-Man's apartment and his you know neighbors and whatnot matter. It might be interesting to see him do it just to to see if it evokes a bygone era. But you know, in general, I've always said I want to see Jeff Johns write Spider-Man just because it would be so different than what he usually does. Yeah, that that'd be my vote. And the uh, in hindsight, I wish because I, I I am one of the readers that that came on to uh, DC fifty two and am enjoying it, at least for the Bat books. I, and I, in hindsight, I wish I would have started uh, picking up issue one of Nightwing as opposed to what I bought, which was Batgirl. Yeah, um, really <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. that one. Really you know, bad. I dropped that a long time ago. I bought that, and I also bought uh, Justice League, and I've since dropped Justice League, and I've dropped Batgirl. Well, you know, but Night, Nightwing interests me. Nightwing has, has been good. I think it's the most solid book of the the whole New Fifty Two, and I started out buying like six books, and that that's gone up and down and up and down, and I've caught up with things, and I've dropped them again, and I've kind of gotten to the point where we're two years in, and I'm kind of ready to declare that I just don't really like the direction this universe has gone, and I'm not really enjoying their status quos and what they've been with the characters and their histories and their stories, so I'm just kind of hanging on by a Nightwing-sized thread, and if they kill him in Forever Evil, I'm done. I had to leave the Batman Universe comic cast because I dropped DC, and because I was fucking sick of yeah. what they were doing. I just finally dropped Batman. As much as I've enjoyed some stuff Scott Snyder's done, I'm I'm bored. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was telling uh, John the other day that whenever I hear about something bad that DC did, it's like hearing stories about your ex-girlfriend after you broke up. Like, <laughs> like oh, she's fat now, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Her name's Stunner. Uh, JR, if the Goblin were a mall Santa, this is good, how would the exchanges go with the little girls and boys? <laughs> I love that. That's funny. Well, unfortunately, I don't have a funny... Uh response to it um i uh i rolled around some ideas but frankly i was not happy with the last two sketches i did doing the goblin thing and unless i've found unless i can do something i think i can knock out of the park i'm just not going to revive it <laughs> all right uh let's see hornacek our good buddy from uh canada uh, since one of the main mysteries in the title now is who is the Green Goblin, because they're doing everything they can to make it think it's Norman. It's got me thinking of the Hobgoblin mystery back in the day. So for those that read comics when they originally came out, that would be me and JR, I'm guessing. Uh, who was your initial reaction when they revealed it? Was, what was your re- initial re- reaction? What was Ned Leeds? Never mind the logic of him being killed months earlier. What did you think of Leeds being the answer to the question, who is the Hobgoblin? Were you satisfied, let down, didn't think it made sense? Or ambivalent because of the long, drawn-out mystery. Jr. Well, I was about to say uh, it, all of the above. Um, yeah. I um, I mean the 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 reason that Leeds was such a disappointment was because he was dead. You can't hardly you can't hardly separate that revelation with, from the fact that the character had been killed off. Because what's the point of making the Hobgoblin somebody Spider-Man knows if Spider-Man is never going to confront him when he's a Hobgoblin? Um, and you know, and uh, you know, one it was uh, also it was you know another Daily Bugle reporter becoming a supervillain. Uh, so there wasn't anything particularly original about it. Uh, and you know, his uh, it didn't make you know he was never given a reason for really becoming the Hobgoblin. And you know, I think it was uh, I think in Web of Spider Man, I think it was Jim Owsley slash Christopher Priest that sort of wrote an origin for him that he originally thought he was starting to do he was doing good and you know then he lost his mind or whatever but that that didn't jive with the hobgoblin's early appearances the uh so now the the leads thing just didn't work yeah i was just happy it was over yeah <laughs> i mean it'd been going on since the 84 or i guess 84 i don't know but uh when was it resolved 88 89? Oh, no, no, no. It wasn't 80, 87, because it was right before 87. the marriage. Okay. It was, so what do we... We had four years of the mystery? Well, it wasn't so much the, the number of years. It was just all the... Uh, the, the dead ends and the uh, you know, the ha-ha's, you know, false, uh, the red herrings. That, that It just yeah. got old. I agree. I, I was showing one of the kids at work, I don't remember how this came up, all of the fake-out Hobgoblin covers 
like uh, the Lefty Donovan one, Spider-Man pulling the mask out of the river, the Flash Thompson one, and then like 289 where it literally says, we swear to God we are not joking this time. And the kids said, so that was it, right? And I said, well, they reckoned it a decade later. But yeah, at the time they meant it. That's funny. As a follow-up, same question, but for when it was revealed to be Roderick Kingsley and how much were those feelings influenced by this being the original solution of the creator? You can go ahead, JR. Much keep, better. Keep going on that. Yeah. Much better. Felt better uh, you know, Kingley made Yeah, Kingley made sense. Uh, excuse me, Kingsley made sense, and really even the the few the few clues that Stern left behind uh, clearly added up to Kingsley. You know, unlike again to uh, reference one of our favorite most recent, who is the Hobgoblin mysteries when it was when it turned out to be Daniel getting his head cut off by uh, by Phil. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. Uh, webbed Century from uh, England to everyone in Marvel with a world of uh, people like Reed Richards, Pym, etc. Should real life diseases, famine and such exist with the, uh, in the comic book world because surely these things would have been cured by now. So is it a cheat to include them because even though they are real life problems in Marvel, it seems like the super geniuses would have solved or destroyed these problems. I think it's sort of like a, a, a touchy thing because like Aunt May died of a stroke initially, right? And it's like, you know, these you know, real-world things were, uh... It's like, it's like how, do you, how do you want them to be played in the comic book? Then you have Reed Richards and Spider-Man, like, you know, doing things at the drop of a hat that just make you roll your eyes, or at least myself, anyway. So I think... I, yeah. I, think that, I honestly think that, the, that Marvel should tone down the, the magic science a bit, personally. Well, if they eliminate all these problems, it's a, a ideal world, and we, we really can't relate to that. I mean, we have real-world problems. Yeah, so it's it, an impossible balancing act because yeah. you've got these super geniuses and they should be advancing things, but then the world would have been so advanced in comic books by the 70s that it yeah. would be unrecognizable and you couldn't tell any stories that are relatable to people. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, to all, even if you agree or disagree with Stan Lee creating the Marvel Universe, do you think that Marvel would have thrived as much if Stan didn't do what he did and claim, and claim he created it all and sold the universe to the public? And has been a salesperson, figurehead of Marvel, and maybe even comics for decades. No, I mean I, I think that like uh, like Stanley or Hatem, if he hadn't quote unquote hoard himself himself and Marvel out, it wouldn't have been seen as accessible because he was basically the salesman that that got into people's uh, certain audiences. Yep. Uh, Aziz, uh, his location is the Speed Force, Arkansas. Uh, to each of uh, <laughs> and every one of you, your favorite story with Spider-Man as a guest star. Uh, Daredevil, Guardian I Devil. I haven't heard from Chris in a while. Let me hear Chris. Um, I have a hard time thinking of one right now. That She-Hulk Dan Slot story was good. I thought I like um, I like that one. No, I didn't. I didn't read it. I don't um, really pick up books just because Spider-Man's in them. To be honest, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't really have an I mean, answer. I don't really go out and read guest appearances. Back in the day, it was more of a big deal when a, another hero was in another hero's book. And uh, these days, they're all in everybody's books. You know, it's not a rare thing anymore. Would you mm-hmm. consider Secret Wars and Secret Wars 2 him as a guest star? Or, no, yeah, or is he, he, or is he the, a supporting cast member? I would say supporting because everybody's in that I'd book. I'd say he's part of an ensemble. Yeah. Sort of like him in the Mighty Avengers no, yeah, um, I, in in Hickman's Avengers, he was a, gre- a guest star. <laughs> what about some Fantastic Four annuals that uh, he was in the back of? Or I liked um, I liked an issue in the Tom DeFalco Fantastic Four story where um, after Johnny and Alicia get divorced um, to cover up the fact that like Alicia was an alien, Spider Man reads about them in the newspaper and he gets worried about Johnny's like you know how Johnny's taking the divorce. So he attacks Johnny for the purpose of cheering him up, and then like, and, and then Johnny's like, "All right, I'll tell you the truth. My my ex wife was an evil space alien." And Spider Man <laughs> thinks that he's like doing one of those, you know, like men who talk bad about their ex wives things. He's like, uh, "I know, am I right? She sure was an evil space alien." Then Johnny's like, "No, you don't understand." Jr. Any of them coming to your mind for you that you can think of? Uh, the uh, the She Hulk one that Dan Slott wrote. I thought that was. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it was a pretty clever idea. It was fi- Spider-Man finally suing Jonah. 
you know. Right. And then it got totally turned on, you know, totally turned against him. It was a pretty clever story. All right. Uh, let's see. JR, we didn't get uh, what Spencer thinks of the Amazing Spider-Man video game. Since he's, uh, he, since he's very brief, can we get uh, his thoughts on both that and Lego Marvel? Spencer is long asleep when we're recording get this. Get the boy up. <laughs> yeah. Get the boy up. <laughs> yeah, he's, it's a school night tomorrow. Uh, but, you know, I... I asked him actually uh, when I got home tonight. Uh, yeah. I asked him, and uh, he said that he, he actually, when he first played it, he really liked it, and he still likes it. But he, he says it it just has gotten progressively boring. Once he once he beat it, it's like eh, you know that really wasn't that good. <laughs> but uh, and on Lego uh, Lego Marvel, well, he doesn't have that one. However, I heard that Santa might consider it. Yeah, I want to hear what that's like. I'm holding off buying that until I get a PS4. But that game does look for uh, look for look fun. <laughs> I agree with Spencer in the fact that once you beat the main storyline, uh, I haven't gone back and and done the little side missions. It didn't. Uh, granted, the web slinging is a lot of fun, but I've moved on to like uh, the Batman game and and various other things. Uh, Shattered Dimensions is my favorite Spider-Man video game. I think. Yeah, I think I think that's his favorite too. Yeah, I just think it's cool. Uh, Big Al from Edgeware to Jr. What do you think of uh, Halloween and Christmas was like for Norman growing up? Also, what do you think <laughs> they were like for Harry growing up? That's kind of a cute question. Uh, you know, I don't think Norman was very much different than a. Uh, than some of us, I think he was a he may have been a cosplaying fanboy, uh, because if, if you recall during the Howard Mackey run on uh, Spider Man, he uh, Norman uh, was you know telling Peter that he he liked comic books and uh, science fiction movies, uh, and I mean you know the guy did design a stupid looking costume and and uh, <laughs> I, you know I, I I think he very well Norman very well could have been uh, Harry on the other hand was thoroughly miserable. Uh, because, you know, Norman, what, you know, the whole part of the fun of, I guess, being Halloween as a kid is going trick or treating, you know, and, you know, I took Spencer trick or treating for years. You know, Norman would never have any time for that. You know, I have, you know, Norman has people for that. So, you know, he, you know, he, it, and probably Norman didn't show up at Christmas either. You know, he, you know, he probably had somebody buy Harry gifts for him. So I would imagine that Harry was a pretty miserable kid during the holidays. Yeah. Uh, to Bertone, who's your favorite Spider-Man villain? I've gone back and forth on that. It it there's villains who I probably have like maybe a top five or something. But I, I think I said in a previous episode that I love the original Bronze Age Jackal when his motivation was simple, just for the psyche of it. I love the Harry Osborn Goblin stories from the '90s and how conflicted Peter was about fighting him. And let's see, I. I, there's been some Hobgoblin stories that I've really liked with the whole um, mystery of who it was before it was dragged on. Mm-hmm. Uh, to all, what was the best Spider-Man or comic book related gift you've ever gotten? I'll take this one. I'll yeah. Next uh, <laughs> Dibs. When I, when, I, when I was a kid, I yeah. got a uh, uh, a totally like you know articulated Spider-Man toy. Uh, I articulated for, you know, the mid-90s, and I got a Daily Bugle thing, uh, which I think was based off the cartoon. Uh, I think the best Spider-Man story to take place around during Christmas, that big old ass, is, like, the Spider-Bin story with, like, the Human Torch and the, on top of the top of the, the uh, uh, Statue of Liberty, and the one where Willie Lumpkin visits Aunt May's grave. I really like that story. Cool. All right. Uh, let's see. Jolly Jovial Jonas, Justice League Watchtower, where he's hanging out. Everyone, which Villains Month passed for DC, or with Villains Month passed for DC, do you think Spider-Man or Marvel would ever have an event where the heroes are gone and the villains have taken over? Well, I hope not, since it's now a story that DC's done. (laughs) It would just be a straight-up (laughs) rip-off. We could have a whole, like, month of the goblins doing nothing. (laughs) (laughs) I have that. Wait, 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 Uh, wait a second. Let me think about this quest. Where where the heroes are gone and the villains have taken over, dude. It's called the Superior Spider Man. It's happening right now. We review it every month. <laughs> or Peter's or been gone a year, man. Or it's called Thunderbolts back in the nineties. They're Coach all in Hans that Hans heroes. Plot. Yeah, exactly. It's happened. 
Uh, everyone, what do you think of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Mediocre, in my opinion. Yeah, the, first five is, the first five episodes sucked. Whatever happened after that wasn't watched by me. It, it, I realized <laughs> this week um, when I, I was noting that this really was a much better episode for them, but it just... It, it's a freaking Joss Whedon show, and you know when Joss Whedon shows do great episodes, I'm writing home about them. You know, I'm telling people they got to watch this crap. But uh, you know, it didn't provoke anything like that in me. It's it didn't grab me at all, and I feel that this show has kind of settled into being a mediocre show. Uh, and I think the reason that it has occurred to me is that they don't. They probably don't have access to any Marvel characters. It's in continuity with the movies and the TV and the other like Netflix shows and everything, which means anybody they use in this show, Marvel sees as somebody that could have potentially been a star on their own right and is now gone. Like when we saw the first trailer for this show, when we saw J. August Richards in the in the preview, people thought it might be Luke Cage, and they said, "No, it's not Luke Cage." And now we know why it wasn't Luke Cage because he's getting his own Netflix show. It's like it's just like I think I mentioned earlier. Uh, Morbius couldn't be used in Blade Two because they thought he might be able to have his own movie. He never did, but you know he wasn't available. So I feel like this show is just kind of off in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, but you I, don't have I, to I have agree. iconic characters to make it a great show. They can create their own original characters and make them awesome. Yeah, you don't um, have to, but it sure would help. I mean, especially when you're trying to do a comic book show, the, the comic books have come up with a few good stories for this stuff so far. Yeah. I mean, when Graviton kind of showed up, I'm like, ooh, that's cool, that's something. But uh, that one, no one. No, I mean, I'm lo- looking over, I'm watching Arrow, and, you know, I'm getting a, ten tons of stuff from a comic book every episode. I mean, they're packing so much into there, and even, you know, there, there's an overarching presence, even though you haven't seen him, of Rachel Ghoul in this season, for God's sake. Um, it's they're, they're just packing the stuff into that show, and it's great. And over at Marvel, it's like, okay, we've got the car and Victoria Hand. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Uh, what is your preferred method of reading Spider-Man comics? Is it digital trades or single issues? Single issues, my vote. I'm uh, I'm loving the Kindle. Really, I don't have a, a pad or a tablet, and I I I would like if I do get one, I would like uh, that unlimited subscription thing. I really enjoy my essentials whenever I go back and read the old stuff. But I, I, I'm a I'm a trade fan. Uh, I like collecting issues, but I really enjoy all the trades, and they kind of make up most of my library. I go back and forth. I, I really like uh, individual issues, especially for new stuff, and even some a lot of older stuff. When I go back, I want to get the original issues. But sometimes, then you know, I'm looking at my bookshelf and it's like, you know, I love having these these big iconic stories on my bookshelf. You know, so it's it, it, it's back and forth. Uh, what was your favorite '90s show episode? Mine is the Secret War episode. Boy, I was disappointed with that Secret War. Episode. I'm sure you were. My God. Learn. I am tired of you and your riddles and your supreme arrogance. Death of Mary Jane. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, the, the real one, not the water clone. <laughs> Turning Point uh, was an episode in the, in the in the third season finale where they combined three Green Goblin stories and ended it with like their take on the death of Gwen Stacy with Mary Jane being lost in the time dilation portal and Spider Man kicking Norman Osborn's ass and it's amazing. And no one should be surprised that I loved uh, the early Morbius episodes and the Blade episodes. Wasn't so fond of Morbius as a huge bat later. I like the mousy. For me, uh, I love the 90s show. I'm from the 90s. I don't get to say what I liked. No, no, hit it, brother. (laughs) Hit it. The uh, Venom three-parter from the first season. Oh, yeah. 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 Do you trust me? (laughs) That's, uh, you know, it had an influence on the comics. I mean, it... Not many cartoon episodes can say that. True. Goblin War, even though it's completely ridiculous in so many places. Green Goblin versus Hobgoblin is what it was. Yeah. Felicia Felicia finding out that uh, she was marrying the Hobgoblin. (laughs) Random JC, three posts. He says, uh, new around here, taking on the task. You're listening from episode one. Whew, that's a lot lot of episodes. Mixing in new episodes as they're released. Loving the praise you all heap on Dan Slott in the early days. <laughs> <laughs> so to everyone, I have a question. What's your favorite lie from a solicit? The solicit says one thing, and when you get... Uh, I, I know Bertoni's answer on this. Uh, and what you get has little, if anything, to do with it. 
does it have anything to do with all your Avengers on your cover, uh, Bertoni? Actually, my favorite lie on a solicit is from, um, <laughs> I found this when we were doing Amazing Spider-Man Classics. Um, okay. the, the solicit at the end, um, oh, yeah. The next, yeah, you know where this is. The next, the next uh, issue blurb, um, at the end of issue 10, the big man issue, they say, oh, if you, wait till you see the new villain that we have cooked up for you next issue. If you thought that we've created all the new possible villains that we can, wait till we surprise you next next month with this new villain that Spider-Man's going to fight. That's right. You're going to get a new villain next month in issue 11. Does anyone know who the villain in issue 11 was? I have no idea. Dr. Octopus. Gunther Octopus. Mm. On the cover, no less. It's like this brand new villain of of creativity from the mighty house of ideas. And it's like the same guy you've seen already. (laughs) That's funny. That's funny. (laughs) Um, Anybody else have a solicit that ticked him off? You have to buy it. I don't have to buy it. <laughs> Kev, you get uh, pissed off very easily. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Don. It's like, you know, 20, 20 <laughs> issues out of 23 have been the most life-changing, life-altering thing of all yeah. time. That gets very My old. life ain't kinda that like boring. Re- kind of like rebooting after every uh, couple of years. Right. But the new issue won. It's, it's, it's very... Uh, it loses its punch. Uh, we're ending with uh, the last... Poster DXD. We're ending with the last question, really, Brad. We're, oh, he's got two questions, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> We've got two questions. This is the last poster with his two questions. To, as if that's not confusing at one a.m. No, I was, I was uh, just to, joking on the fact that you declared that we're ending with the last one, as if there's any other way to do it. <laughs> uh, I, I don't have. Sorry, to man, fight. it is too late. <laughs> I'm exhausted. <laughs> too. To Brad, if the Ultimate Universe dies, and, you know, as we've said earlier, Galactus has uh, the red lobster bib on, and he's getting ready to nom, 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 like uh, Cookie Monster. Uh, Should Mysterio die with it since he's trapped there? Hells no. And uh, is Mysterion a worthy successor? Hells no. Mysterio should hop through the portal and say, damn, shit was going wrong there. Uh, (laughs) To JR, you get the last one, JR. Don't you find it odd? that Peter and Norman never talked about the Norman-Gwen relationship from since past. You would think Osborne would taunt Peter with it before the mind wipe, of course. You know, that's a good question, but the answer basically comes down to comic book logic. Uh, (laughs) And, you know, the fact that the the whole thing is so radioactive um, that I don't know that anybody at Marvel really wants to deal with it, but there could be something said for the fact that both of them are actually kind of afraid to bring it up. Um, you know, Peter, for example, would not want Norman to realize just how bad it bothered him, you know, kind of like that. I'm not going to give him the satisfaction. And since I feel that Norman did not intentionally seduce Gwen or anything, you know, that it happened by accident, I'm not sure that so sure that Norman wants to face up to, uh, you know, the fact that he was vulnerable. You know, so talking yeah. about the, uh, you know, talking about it is, you know, he pretty well has to, you know, face the fact that, you know, he screwed up big time and he was weak, which is anathema mm-hmm. to Norman. Um, that's about the, and so each one of them is probably waiting for the other guy to bring it up first. That's probably about the most sense you can make out of it, but it's it's comic book soap opera logic. But with the mind wipe, I mean, we we won't see that. Uh, I, that's something I'd like to see, wouldn't you, Jerry? Only, only in the hands of the right, the right writer. I there's just you know it, it, I, I I I always flinch when when a new writer takes on Norman because I just don't think a lot of I'm always just, I don't think a lot of them do him right. I think a lot of them just think he's just a your run of the mill madman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel you. All right, uh, let's wrap this up with recommendations and warnings. I like the new new twist on it, Bertoni, that you you gave. I feel bad uh, because it, it it does the whole stereotype of the crawl space is negative, but we usually have no, have warnings that's, anyway. <laughs> that's to, that's totally a pro and a con. That's that's covering both sides of it. I think. Uh, Jr., any uh, thing you like? Anything you want people to not like? Uh, anything I like? Uh, well, you know, I, I I am always late to the party on any of these things. I guess it's a perhaps just a factor of being old but as a result of i've had to do a lot of work related travel and therefore i watch more tv than i get to watch at home because i never have control of the tv and honest to god i'm loving the big bang theory you know mm-hmm. years after everybody else you know it's like it's old news to everybody else but it's kind of news to me 
And uh, I just think that show is just when it when it's on. I mean, it's not always on sometimes, you know. But I I think when it's on, it's it's really funny. And and Jim Parsons just does an amazing job with a a character who's borderline autistic, and really you should just loathe him for his arrogance and his condescension. But you can't help but like him. And that just I mean, the, uh, he's deserved every one of the Emmys he's gotten for that role. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bertoni. Warnings and recommendations. Frozen, which has uh, JR's uh, ex- oh. ex-fiance, Adina Menzel, in it, singing a power ballad, so Disney, you did it <laughs> right. Um, I did not want to see that movie, because when I saw the trailers with the Josh Gad, you know, Goofy Snowman, I was like, yeah, I might skip this one. But everyone on Facebook was like, oh my gosh, this is better than Wreck-It Ralph, that movie that you love so much. So um, <laughs> I caught a showing, and um, it was really good. And um, we're actually we're actually going to see it this weekend. I'm looking forward to it. I'm taking one of the kids on Saturday because he's like, you saw Frozen without me. So um, I'm doing a second showing and I have the soundtrack, is it, too. Is it more of a girl Disney movie? Um, there's stuff like there. There's like stuff princesses. that boys can be. It's it's girly in places. But I mean, I like okay. to think that it's, uh, you know, unisex like there's, you know, boy mm-hmm. stuff, too. And. There's a like nice story Mer- in there. Like Little Mermaid, and, and uh, I consider a girl a girl Disney Well, you are so asking right. a guy who's saying he loved it, so... Right. Well, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's, are you, are you a girl, Josh? <laughs> no, I'm just saying it. it uh, I wonder if my little girl will like it, well, but she she sees all the princesses in it, and she wants to uh, see it. Last night, Don Stella so. and I did a karaoke rendition of uh, Part of Your World from Little Mermaid, so <laughs> what that says about go. us, who knows? Warnings, Josh? You got any warnings? Thank you, bastard. <laughs> what are you saying? Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Let's not fight this far in. <laughs> it's late. We're going to end at each other's throats. Oh, my goodness. Uh, no warnings. Um, I'm trying to think. If I don't have one right now, it's chances are that I that I don't have one at, at this month. So. Not going to. Uh, Chris, warnings and recommendations. Well, like JR, I'm pretty late to the party on things, so I'll say I'm in the middle of Arrow Season 1, and uh, yeah. so far so good. And um, I'm about, uh, I'd say, 20 issues into uh, the Miles Morales Ultimate Spider-Man comic series, and so far so good. Mm, all good stuff. Yeah. Nice, nice, nice. Kevin? Um, Arrow is actually my number one recommendation. I know I've, I've said it before, but I, I swear to you, every week in this season two, it, it's, it's the the most entertaining hour of TV I see all week, and I, I swear they drop my jaw at the end of every single episode. I don't know how they keep pulling it off, but they do. And it's just a, do I need to know anything about Green Arrow before I start? No, just watch the show. It's actually, I mean, there's... It's on, Net- it's on Netflix. It's, it's, on I, it's in my queue. Yeah, season yeah, one's on Netflix. Just give yeah. it a shot. It's it, it takes plenty of liberties with the comic books, but I think it does a good job with the spirit and putting a lot of comic book stuff in there just for fun for people who've seen it, and they use it really well. Nice. Um, nice. Um, my second one's Warehouse Thirteen, which I have. Holy crap! Tornado. <laughs> Evidently, he just fell through every <laughs> all, all thirteen levels of the warehouse. Poor Josh fell on his ass. <laughs> It was frozen. <laughs> uh, anyway, I, I think I've recommended Warehouse 13 before. It's it's a it's a really fun, really solid, just sci-fi nerd show. Um, and I finally got to see season four, which is sadly still not on Netflix yet, but it's on Amazon Prime. And I mean, they just they just chalk the thing full of nerd guest stars too, like Brent Spiner from. You know, Data from Next Generation is an ongoing villain for the first half of the season. Um, the second half of the season has James Marsters and Anthony Stewart Head from Buffy. You also have like ongoing appearances from uh, what's her name, Captain Janeway from Voyager, and and Jerry Ryan's in there, and uh, Amy Acker from the Whedon Universe. Just like they they know who their audience is. <laughs> yeah. A really, uh, any, really good show too. Uh, last recommendation is a movie I just saw on Netflix. So if you have Netflix, it's on there. Go watch it. Called Dead Man Down. Um, it's it's kind of a I don't want to say suspense. It's a thriller, kind of a human drama. It's from the director of the original Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, the foreign one, but it's an American movie. It's in English. Um, 
stars the girl that was the drag- girl with dragon tattoo in that one. Um, Numiri Pache or Pace or however you pronounce that. Plus mm-hmm. Colin Farrell, Terrence Howard, Dominic Cooper. Great acting. The director has an incredible sense for just building tension without, you know, uh, without being cheap. It's all kind of character derived tension, and it's just a really, really good movie. I highly recommend it. All right. Uh, anything else, sir? No, nope, that's all for me. All right, Don. Um, Arrow is what? No, I've not seen it yet. Um, <laughs> Thor, God of Thunder. No, I've not read that yet. Um, those are the most consistent recommendations. Um, you have some extremely walk- good things ahead of you in your life. Word. Walking Dead. <laughs> yeah, Walking Dead, Breaking Bad, all the other things people enjoy. Um, <laughs> well, we mentioned it before. So, uh, who wants to hold my man card? The Little Mermaid. Uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, I've never seen that movie before. <laughs> And, uh, really? No, uh, until... I've seen it twice this week. Until this week. Um, you have a daughter. I know. <laughs> I, I, I don't. <laughs> so I, I, Not that you know of, yeah. Josh and I talked about like, you know, nonsense all the time. We have zero lives. <laughs> it's um, true. And, um, you know, uh, I got my hands on it, and I saw it, and I really enjoyed it. I thought, it, you know, yeah. it, Disney Princess and all that, but like it was entertaining. I thought the, sound, the, the songs were actually really fun. Um, and you had Christopher Daniel Barnes in it. Hell to the air. Yeah, buddy. And he was with a redhead. <laughs> Tie that shit. Tie that shit. Uh, oh, yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, that's cool. Did you know he was 16 when he voiced that guy? Wow. He's pretty young. He's a pretty young dude. And, um, I mean, first time I saw him was on a sitcom called Day by Day. Dude. Yeah, with, with uh, Elaine <laughs> Bennis, apparently. Yes, and exactly. And, and one of the chicks from uh, Melrose Place in Two and a Half Men. Wow. And, and single female lawyer. She's also, she was also on that show. What? Yeah, the the, the blonde chick. She was single female lawyer's she's rival. Allie McBeal, huh? No, she wasn't. No, she was Allie McBeal's rival. Yeah, but, but, go ahead, but go ahead, Don. Uh, no, I, just, I, I, I thought the movie was. I mean, I, I'm I'm a fan of Aladdin myself, but like I, I enjoyed it where it was very much. So it holds up very well. Um, <laughs> Donald Glover's uh, uh, new album, because the internet is now out. If you like watched Community and are expecting Troy Barnes, you're not going to get him. You get more of a. Uh, a really trippy, stoned-out, suicidal black guy uh, making Spider-Man <laughs> references for 19 songs. Um, but I, I, what, what, whoa, 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 there's 19 songs and there's Spider-Man references in all of them? No, it's not, not all of them, but like, there's, there's more than I expected. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking podcast opening songs. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, you might have to edit the, the, some stuff. But anyway, I, I mean, I, I enjoy it. Um, I think that some of, us, some of it I enjoy more than others, but I really, a lot of the songs I have, I have played on replay, a lot. That one's in my nice. head right now, and I, and I think if you want to uh, listen to experimental music, because I think that like music is actually in a good place these days, despite what, what the radio shows you, and um, hip hop in particular is actually in a really good place with experimental music like this him and uh, Frank Ocean and of course Miff Doom. And I think that like this is a really good example of uh, some burgeoning talent we have. So uh, try out um, uh, former Spider-Man wannabe <laughs> Donald Glover's uh, because. Yeah. Yep. Any warnings? Um, don't get a bulge disc because my back's killing me. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> okay, about it. Uh, let's see, a video game, uh, a movie, and a comic book I'll give. Uh, Batman Arkham Origins I'm enjoying. I bought it uh, on Black Friday for about 20 bucks. Uh, not bad. I wouldn't pay six. Not I wouldn't pay sixty for it, but um, if you like the first two, you'll like this. There, uh, about a, a quarter of through, there was a cutscene that reminded me of Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark. I thought that was very, very funny. Uh, I literally laughed out loud at this one scene. Um, go get that if you can. Uh, also, a comic. Well, let me do the comic last since it's Spider-Man related. Uh, the movie that I am warning people not to see, I've seen all four of them, and the fifth one makes me sad that I saw the first four. Uh, die, uh, live Free or Die Hard? Oh, no. Oh, oh my God, Kevin. You're right. Um, I... <sighs> No, you're talking about A Good Day to Die Hard or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Live Free to Die Hard no, live, was four, and that was great. The, Five was awful. A, a Good Day to Die Hard is atrocious. And I, I, I consider Die Hard 1 to be one of my all-time favorite movies. It's one of the classic action movies, period. Exactly. And actually, I thought and, 4 was really good. I did, too. I liked it a lot. And then I'm, I'm coming in. You know, it's John McClane. How can you screw up John McClane? Mm. Just Bruce Willis could just half act through this, and it'd be a, a good movie. Well, I was wrong. This, I don't care about the sun. 
I don't care about the villains. I don't care that we're in Russia. Yeah, there wasn't. Uh, a, there was no like big villain to latch onto. The no. son had no charisma, so there was no real great relationship right. between the two of them. And what but what killed me was for the first yeah. like quarter half of the movie, John McClane is played as a whiny old man. Exactly. Exactly. Who wants to watch that? The thing about well, well, I, I don't know. You know, I mean, some <laughs> some of us, you know, us whiny old men need characters we can relate to. Now, Jr. Though you want to be portrayed as if you're right, not exactly. that you're the whiny old man that's annoying. <laughs> the thing about four that had the kid, the sibling, or not the sibling, the the, the daughter. The, well, the daughter. She was spunky. She was sassy. It should be she, Mary Jane. She, Damn it. She she was uh, what John McClane's kid would be. Exactly, and we got like a, a scene just and a, a half of her. Ass. Yeah, just a smart ass. Like, yip mother... Yeah. But, <laughs> no, this guy's just an action hero. It's like he's more Arnold Schwarzenegger's kid than he is John McClane's kid. I didn't like the son at all. I I, I mean, I heard, I've i not seen it because I heard it sucked. But, like, I mean, this I heard that they make him a superhero, whereas John McClane's supposed to be like an everyman action guy. Well, at this point... He is a superhero. Yeah, I mean, but <laughs> what was it? There's the the thing they keep showing in the any commercial for the fourth one where he launched a car at a helicopter. So who are we talking about? He, he, he's essentially a superhero, but <laughs> Fair the enough. first one he was an average guy, like average cop. But you know, by the number four we got anyway. Just I was so utterly disappointed in that movie. It is one of the worst it, written franchise movies I've ever seen. And I hope he comes back, kind of like what Stallone did with Rocky Six. Redeem the series. You know? Deemed it after five. Maybe it's something about number five that just kills him. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. But he needs to wrap it up Star and Trek just five. end it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Star Trek five. Yeah. Um, the last uh, recommendation is a comic book. Kevin and I talked about this last night. I want more people to read it, so I'm going to say it again. Superior foe is a Spider-Man. By God, there's a scene in issue five with the man bull that I laughed out loud. <laughs> oh dear. It was absolutely hysterical. Ride the bull, baby. Ride the bull. If you're reading that book, you know what I'm talking about. Ride the bull. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not reading the it, book, yeah, it's pretty much what it sounds like. Superior Spider-Man, or... Seriously, Superior Superior, superior Foes of Spider-Man number five is an A-plus issue. It, it, you liked it, too, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. A-plus is exactly that. what I gave it. Yeah. That's, I gave it an A-plus also. I love that book. Agreed. If you... Don, Josh, and Jr. Are you? Guys- oh, it can't be that good. I I, I disbelieve the three. Of- I, I'm reading it, and I'm not indifferent, but like I'm not as loud as you guys are. Do you like the manbull scene? The manbull story? I I I don't remember the story. I'd have to reread it. Oh my god! How can you not remember this? Oh Jesus! Because it didn't uh, have Shashan and Betty Brand serving sandwiches. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not read the latest issue, so I don't know. So, so I want you to go down to your local comic shop and read the Manbull story. And if you yes, don't, sir. if you if you read this story and you don't like it, well, I tried, but I hope I get a couple people pick this book up. You know, Kev, we're trying to get the the writer and the artist to do a podcast interview, and I've been lazy because <laughs> <laughs> I've got ten episodes to release in about two days. But anyway, <laughs> a podcast. But uh, the the artist has agreed to do an interview with us. Yeah, well, we're definitely uh, shilling the thing. I mean, we're, yeah, we're doing we're our best to get some reads. We're shilling the thing, making this book survive, and I just haven't gotten a hold of the, the writer yet. And once we line that up, 2014, uh, we're going we're gonna to get the, the creative team on here, and Kevin and I are going to interview him. So, uh, Superior Foes of Spider-Man, please, please don't let this book die. Well, what issue was it? Are you sure it was Ride the Man? Oh, wait, never mind. I think five. I just... Yeah, I just it was got during to the it. owls, you know, I'm I'm a I'm a scary dude scene at the beginning. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, I I, re- I remember the last page. Like <laughs> that, that's okay. I'm gonna, we're wrapping it up. Final thoughts, Donovan. Uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, yes. Happy Holidays. See you next month. Keep on reading, Spidey. Kev, I, th- I think Don just covered it all. Jr. Well, if you're gonna die, you might as well do it now and decrease the surface population. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Every time a bell rings, Jr. drops him flat. Uh, <laughs> final thoughts. Uh, we're tiny, we're toony, we're all little loony. Nice. And Chris. Silent Gunther. 
<laughs> that was his silent night, is what that was. Uh, Thank you, everybody. I've wait, wait, I, I think Chris is trying to talk. Oh, I, yeah. No, I'm still having technical problems, but uh, good, oh, I, good night. I good night, everybody. Good night. Good luck. I heard Gunther. Uh, I heard <laughs> Gunther too. I, that's all I heard. Uh, I, just that it's the last show of the year. Uh, I want to publicly thank my friends on the line right now for being with me into the late morning. Having fun talking Spider-Man, and you guys are, are invaluable to me for, to help make this show such a success. We do it for free, and we do it for free because Lord knows we ain't got a sponsor. You guys, uh, <laughs> you guys aren't getting paid. Uh, well, how the hell you're getting paid, son? <laughs> anyway, I, I just wanted to publicly thank you guys for being uh, such dedicated to this website, to my friendship, etc. And I'm looking forward to 2014 doing it all over again. Thanks, sir. Absolutely.